episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 6, Episode 3, The Gun. The original air date for this episode was October 1st, 1990. It was directed by William Garrity, and it was written by Robert Sherman. Why don't we discuss this episode in brief? Uh, in this episode, a mysterious gun from the past uh, comes up in a situation where it's used in a murder. Right. And this, it's kind of hard to describe with this episode in brief because it's its about this gun, but then it also gets involved with drug deals, arms deals, right. wrongfully accused people, and recycling. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of what it was, actually. I should have looked it up before we started recording. But there's some other, like, there's a novel or something that's all about a gun that makes its way from one place to another. Mm. I can't remember what it is. Paladin? No, I don't think so. <laughs> have gun will travel? <laughs> no, not that. But, um, but yeah, it's, this isn't the first, uh, the first story that just follows a gun through its history of everything that it's done. Mm-hmm. But, the, uh, but it's also got, like, this weird, uh, like, supernatural power to it right yeah it's like the mexican yeah from from the movie which if you haven't seen that movie like most people haven't is about a gun called the mexican yeah um, not the random mexican yeah. i was talking about right i always put that in the list of movies like the last of the mohicans is a white guy and the last <laughs> samurai is a white guy and the mexican is about his brad pitt <laughs> but he's not playing the mexican yeah the gun is the is the mexican mm-hmm and last Mohicans, he wasn't. He wasn't the last of the Mohicans. Yeah, and last samurai, he also wasn't the last samurai. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> all these movies are very misleading. Yeah. Um, yeah. So where do we start the episode? Uh, at this episode, we start at the Challengers Club, uh, and they are having like I, guess, I thought it was a science fair at first, but I guess it's just like a recycling and environmental symposium. Yeah, I, I thought that at first too, but then it seems like Pete is competing against all these children. <laughs> It's like as come you on, would. Pete. <laughs> my 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 demonstration is way better. And his is such a like cranky old man demonstration. Like yeah. I get so much junk mail. <laughs> <laughs> and Pete's solution was like, imagine if we had a way we could convert this junk mail into energy. Is like, is he talking yeah, about put burning? it in your fireplace? <laughs> is he burning it? <laughs> it's not good. I, I'm hoping there's all sorts of chemicals in this stuff. Pete. I'm hoping what he means is that. The energy that was used to manufacture said junk mail yeah. could be used to heat homes, but... Yeah, but who's going to do that Yeah, if the, it's not benefiting their company? Yeah, it's like, instead of making junk mail flyers, why don't we heat other people's homes? Yes, yeah, I had an idea. We could either advertise the refrigerators that we're selling, or we could donate it to nature. <laughs> donate that money to nature and not advertise our product. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, that's, Pete's, that's Pete's take. Yeah. Um, however, uh, MacGyver is also kind of like handing out flyers about recycling centers right. uh, that are nearby. And both Pete and MacGyver are wondering where Breeze is. Because Breeze is the one is supposed to be in charge of this section of the recycling uh, demonstration right. thing. And he's just running late, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he should have been there by now. Yeah, Pete, uh, MacGyver goes into like a back room to give him a call. And, and he, he answers right away. But you can see that he's like trying to get like half-dressed yeah. as he's trying to get out of there. Um, and uh, his his reason was that he he worked a late shift. Yeah. And so like you know it's we're seeing a, a different side of we're seeing a side of Breeze now like because we're last time we were at the Challengers Club in the Madonna, uh, yeah. uh, he was just still kind of like street punk running around. Yeah, and he was being uh, really mean to Booker's widow. Yeah. Um, and uh, but now we see like he's got a job 
And uh, he's... I mean, the first time we saw him, he had a job. It just wasn't the greatest job. Yeah, yeah. He was, uh, <laughs> I think he was uh, working a cocaine plantation, as yep, Cuba yep. put it. Uh, but yeah, now he's working uh, at a garage, and uh, and like and he's super excited about saving the environment. That's how he answers the phone. It's like, right. It's like I got a plant to save. So, meanwhile, while Breeze is making his way back to the uh, to the Challengers Club. Uh, Rudy Gibbs, a, a local street junkie and drug dealer who most likely replaced Breeze, I'm assuming. Yeah, that's uh, possible. Um, a young kid comes up, Todd Fowler, and he has a loaded gun. And instead of holding him up and stealing the drugs so he can have yeah. all the drugs. <laughs> he points a loaded gun at a drug dealer and says, I'll trade you this gun for your drugs. <laughs> <laughs> instead of saying... Give I'll trade the you these bullets for your drugs. Yeah, uh, yeah he, he wants 10 nickel bags for it. That's 50 cents. Yeah, if, you, uh, <laughs> if you're counting nickels, uh, 10 of them would make 50 cents. Uh, but he, he talks them down to three. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're talking down the guy with a loaded gun. Yeah, and it's not just a gun either. It's like a very special gun. Yeah, this, this is the titular gun. Um. And, of course, as the deal's going down, a squad car pulls up, sees them exchanging drugs, and just uh, starts chasing them down. Or just sees them. It doesn't look like he could have seen them exchanging drugs. That's true. I, I was trying to give the, the police the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. But, uh, and uh, <laughs> I'm not going to make a joke. <laughs> this is not the time. Uh, so, uh, you know... The, the cops chase them down an alley, and uh, they get out and pull their guns out, and Rudy opens fire and shoots one of them right in the chest. Right. And so uh, they make their getaway, and as the uh, – you know, they call, they call in for backup. Rudy and his cohort are making their getaway, and that, this is where they run into Breeze. Right. So they – because I think – He crashes yeah, the car. Yeah, they crash the car, yeah. yeah. Rudy and, crashes it. And and Breeze runs over to see, you know, who it is and make sure that they're okay and sees that it's his friend Rudy. Yeah. And he's like, what did you do, man? What did you do? Because he can hear the police coming. Yeah. So Rudy runs off one way, leaving Breeze to stand there as the only other person. And the cops all have their guns pointed at him. So he's yeah. like, uh, bye. And he just runs yeah, off. Yeah, he runs off. And he heads actually to the garage where he works and breaks in. Yeah. Uh, and then he calls MacGyver and lets him know... That he's surrounded by cops and they know where he broke in because they f- see the broken window that yeah, he yeah. had to break to get into the locked door. Uh, so Mac arrives and he's trying to talk down the cops, but they're all no, what, you know, no way. We're gonna we're gonna go in shooting. Yeah, um, this doesn't look good for yeah. the, the the police in this situation. And but then when my when MacGyver gets there, he says like. All right, Breeze, you got to come out. You know, everything's okay. We're right here. You just got to come out. And he's just like, no, MacGyver, they think I shot a cop. Yeah. And it's like, did they say that? Because yeah. did they, they said that out loud? Mm-hmm. I don't remember them accusing oh, no, no, him no. of that. But, but Breeze said that. Yeah, Breeze says it. But the cops never said, like, we think you shot a cop. And, he, and Rudy never said what he did. Oh, that's true. How would so he know? So why does Breeze know that they think that? Maybe there was a radio in the garage? I'm guessing they must have just been standing around like, hey, he shot officer so-and-so. Like, let's get yeah, this the, mo- kid. the moment we see him, he's going yeah. down. Uh, 
Yeah, so uh, MacGyver is able to talk Breeze out, and uh, and he's arrested without without incident. Right. So on the news, uh, they start to mention uh, the gun that was used to shoot the police officer. A yeah. forensics match matched it to a gun that was used 20 years ago to assassinate a senator. Who was running for president. Correct. And uh, and so, like, and I, I don't know how that they ended up running these forensic tests on the bullet in the sense that they had all these other unknown guns or bullets, not to compare them to, but, like, the fact that it was so quickly made the connection to this yeah, other yeah, yeah. gun. It's not like they would run it through a, a fingerprint database. Like, you would need to have a gun that was a suspect already yeah. in order to make the connection that this was the same gun used from something else. But the the implication is it's it's kind of the Robert Kennedy assassination. Because mm-hmm. they, they go over the guy's name. It's not Sirhan Sirhan, but it sounds like... Yeah. It's... um. It's uh, the, the, the assassin? Yeah. Doman Yashir. Yeah, Doman Yashir. And he killed someone named Harrison. Mm-hmm. That's what they call the Harrison gun. Right. Uh, so uh, um, the man who's watching this particular news broadcast is a man named Zamora. And he calls this man Mr. Maddox, who's basically just in a huge assembly line full of like AKs and all yeah. kinds of other guns that are being put together inside this warehouse. And and Maddox like mentions that he's, you know, Zamora's order of a uh, hundred AK forty sevens as well as other like rocket launchers and, yeah. and guns are being prepared. But uh Zamora wants him to find the Harrison gun or get a lead on it, get it find find a way to get it to him. Right. And Maddox here is played by Jerry Wasserman, who we had as uh Nick Milani in Live and Learn. Correct. The uh the father that couldn't read and he was also Falco in collision course. Uh, he also apparently plays the co pilot in Alive. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I didn't realize. Well, he until. was delicious. <laughs> yeah. Um and uh, I think we mentioned before, but he was interviewed by the MacGyver Project, so we'll mm-hmm. throw a link up to that interview again. He's also credited as Mr. Anal and Look Who's Talking. <laughs> I don't know who Mr. that would be. Mr. Anal. Yeah. In the first Look Who's Talking. Yep. Hmm. No. I mean, I remember Mr. Toilet Man from Look Who's Talking 2. <laughs> yeah. But that was Mel Brooks. Yeah, Mr. Anal's a little bit more <laughs> bizarre. Yeah. Um, and then Jay Brazo, who is playing uh, Zamora here. Um, f- he has a lot of credits, but for some reason, the one that I actually like remember is the proctologist from How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog. <laughs> Did you ever see How to Kill Your Neighbor's Dog? No, no. It's a Kenneth Branagh movie. It's like a dark comedy. Like uh, Kenneth Branagh starring or directing? Starring. Um, I forget the guy's the director's name, but it's a, he was a writer director. Um, but uh, Jay Brazo also does the voice of. Toad Air Marshal in Bucky O'Hare. Oh, okay. Um, he was Colonel Phelps in Kill Zone, the one that kept wanting to drop bombs on MacGyver. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And according to IMDb trivia, he is a frequent co-star of Don S. Davis's. Uh, huh. They they actually have sixteen co-credits, including the movie Best in Show, two episodes of Twenty One Jump Street, two episodes of Stargate, and an episode of X Files that both of them are in. Well, Don S. Davis was really only in one episode of X Files. Yeah, so I had one to be or two. That one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zamora wants the gun because he believes that it's uh, beyond a beyond the sea, right? What beyond the sea? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like that's the only one, unless he has another flashback episode with Scully, or but, maybe he comes back as a ghost for another one. Yeah, no, I think it is just beyond the sea. Yeah, I think the beyond the sea is a great episode of the X Files. 
Um, I always Brad Dorif. Yeah, I was say like I always get Brad Dorif and Steven Dorf. <laughs> like I always forget which one I'm talking about. Yeah, Worm Tongue, the guy who played Worm Tongue. Yeah, uh, he gives a magnificent performance. Chucky. Uh, yeah, Chucky. Uh, he ah, God, that episode. He's so good. There's like all kinds of controversy too about him being in that episode. Like like they, he got paid so extra more. Yeah. To be in that episode. Yeah, Fox is like, we're not going to pay him to be in this episode. Uh, but anyway, back to MacGyver. Zamora believes that this gun is like a powerful symbol of uh, of like anarchy and and power and change because it it basically took the political favorite out of the race. Right. And uh, and changed the like you know changed the changed the course of a nation. So he right. he wants it for for crazy, I'm a crazy warlord kind of beliefs. Uh, so Maddox has uh, his men looking to breeze and get, has, says to have him get, get him out of jail, bail him out, and bring him here so we can start questioning about where where the gun went. Uh, meanwhile, Pete and MacGyver are also researching the gun, um, and they trace it uh, like through some auctions. It was stolen, and then it was used to kill uh, someone else, and then sold again. Yeah. Um, there, it's like some woman crossing the street got shot. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they're they're really trying to hammer home that these guns that are collected as evidence are being resold by the police, right? And that that kind of practice shouldn't happen. Yeah. Uh, and so like the the every time it, like they say, oh, the gun got sold again. It's like, oh, yeah. Like they they make these faces. Uh, so, uh, MacGyver then tracks down a lead on, and uh, Pete goes to check on. Uh, the bail for Breeze. Elsewhere, elsewhere, we, we, we got a lot of people that we're dealing with like that are all doing like their own independent things. Yeah. So Laura Fowler, who is the... Who I thought was the mother or stepmother of... Uh, yeah, it turns out she's the older sister. Yeah, the older sister. But she's dressed all professional. Yeah. And she comes in and she's all judgmental of the guy yeah. who's smoking a pipe with the drugs that he just got for the gun. Yeah. So yeah, the kid Todd Fowler who was going to trade who well he ended up did trade the gun for some drugs. Uh Laura Fowler comes in and uh after seeing like the newspaper about the Harrison gun being stolen and she goes to question Todd and uh and that's when Todd is like really upset cuz he realized that he grabbed the wrong gun. Like he he just wanted to grab a gun, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, later on, Laura Fowler makes a, a big kind of thing about all these guns are bad. Yeah. Like, these are all, like, super cursed yeah, guns. Yeah, none of these would be, like, great for you to have given to a drug dealer. Yeah. So, I don't know why, like, he felt like that one was the the more important of the, like, the five or six guns that were yeah. in this case. But the, the actress playing Laura Fowler here is Julie Downing again, who we had in The Invisible Killer and who is Stephen Downing's daughter. Mm-hmm. So, at the foundation... Uh, they find out like that the the gun had been sold again, but there was no record right. of of who it was sold to. Yeah. So, uh, Pete has Breeze's bail ready, which is twenty five thousand. And so this is what I was worried about. I, I I really don't know much about bail and how bail works. Um, so they like, always hear like like you know, you go to a bail bondsman and they get you out. It's like but you have to pay. You you have to put something up for the right. bail. So in this case, the Phoenix Foundation put up $25,000 to pay for Breeze's bail. But it turns out Maddox already paid it. Correct. But I was wondering, like, I always wondered, like, well, wait a minute. If 
I get accused of a crime and I'm arrested, but they pay the $50,000 bail to get me out of jail so I don't have to stay in jail. What happens if I'm proven innocent? Well, if you even show up in court, do you get the money back? See, like, I, I, I never knew how bail worked. Yeah. Um, I guess, and I guess the only thing is, like, that the only thing that your money you don't get back is whatever bail bonds fees. That's right. where the bondsman makes yeah. his money. Yeah, if, if that's the person who's bailing you out. But if yeah. it's, like, a private entity, then they could get all the money back and mm-hmm. not charge you anything for it. Uh, and so, yeah, I was just like, I, I always feel like, like that's never, maybe it's just common knowledge. I don't know. I, maybe I'm the one. No, no, no. I think you're right. I don't think it really gets covered that often in, in film or television. And it always just, because it just seems like, oh, yeah, you, you pay $1,000 and you're out of jail. Yeah. It's like, but well, wait a minute. But then when someone's like a significant flight risk, then they're like, no bail. Yeah. So um, MacGyver heads down to the police station to bail Breeze out with the $25,000. And Bernie, the I guess he's the Phoenix attorney, or... By the way, what? Flight Risk would be a great name for a movie about a criminal, like, escaping from a prison plane. That's what they should have called Con Air. Con Air should have been Flight Risk? Yeah. That would have been good. Yeah. Let's, let's travel back in time and <laughs> talk to Jerry Brockheimer. To, uh, John Malkovich. <laughs> also, Steve Buscemi needs more, air, more, more screen time. <laughs> air time. <laughs> <laughs> That's another name for a prison movie, Air Time, because they're doing time in the air. <laughs> I thought we were going to go Air Bud. No, that's the movie about Harry in prison. <laughs> Harry's in helping the, MacGyver break out of prison. Yeah, yeah, Harry runs his own airline. Him and Dalton got mixed together. Air Bud. But uh, Bernie tells him that uh, Breeze has already been uh, released on bail and that it was paid for for a guy named Maddox. Of Maddox weapons, right? Which I don't think any weapons company would just be called what like Maddox weapons. Also, if you were trying to like bail out a guy, you probably wouldn't use your company name. Yeah. Uh, especially since you're probably gonna kill this kid yeah. in order to figure out what happened to the gun. Yeah. So probably not not good to have a connection yeah. to him. Not a great idea. So, but uh, Bernie still wants like his percentage. Yeah. <laughs> for for getting the bail bond. Uh, but Mac just leaves and says, okay, I'll, I'll figure it out with the foundation. Don't worry, MacGyver. Um, so Mac heads, heads down to the weapons manufacturer and... Uh, just wanders out onto the floor where they're, like, interrogating him. Yeah, they're they're interrogating Breeze. First he has to talk his way past the guard because, like, the guard's like, oh, you can't go in there. He's like, oh, okay, well, I'll go make a deal with somebody else. Yeah. Well, wait a minute. Which is the second time that MacGyver's just kind of wandered into a situation that he shouldn't mm-hmm. have, especially with Breeze. But earlier when Breeze was, like, holed up in the building and all the cops were outside, MacGyver just walks past them all. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, like, what's going on here? I'm going to go talk to him. I know this kid. And they're like, how'd you get in here? Yeah. It's like, what was the what was the force field keeping me out? There was nobody here saying, stand back. Yeah, I, I, I've only ever had, like, one, like, weird police encounter where um, I was trying to get to a house that the police had surrounded i don't i don't go into the whole details of this story because sure, it's kind sure, of sure. like personal for some other people but as soon as i got within like 100 feet of the house an officer goes whoa what are you doing where are you going yeah uh, uh and so you know uh the fact that no one was like paying attention to the perimeter yeah is weird yeah uh 
because there could have been, you know, other gang members. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> like, no one's watching they anyone's They think this back. is the guy that just shot a cop. There could be other people around here. So, uh, you know, Breeze is being questioned about the gun. And uh, Maddox is, is being okay. Like, he's like he's willing to offer him money. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when, like, Breeze is kind of clamming up, Mac, that's when MacGyver steps in, when it kind of looks like it's uh, getting a little out of hand. Yeah. Um, and... And, and, like, as MacGyver's taking Breeze out, one of the guys tries to, like, stand in their way, intimidating. And MacGyver's just like, no, we're just going to keep walking. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can do about yeah. it. Yeah. Even though this is a place full Weapons of manufacturing <laughs> There are guns You have a everywhere. whole line of AKs over there. Um, and then MacGyver just questions Breeze on his own right outside where yeah. anyone could be listening. Yeah. There's probably surveillance cameras because there's you know a heavily guarded facility because right. it's full of guns. Uh, but uh, MacGyver gives uh, Breeze a little bit of a speech about guns and violence, uh, and uh, you know who who is he trying to protect and why. Yeah. Uh, so Breeze finally tells MacGyver that his friend Rudy did it, and uh, he, he Breeze kind of goes into this long story about. How he and Rudy were good friends when they were kids, and like the whole world was like, they they were just like super excited as kids, and but one time they they got sent to camp like for the summer, like a summer camp, yeah, like, like a weird camp. Um, but at that point, like Breeze, kind of came to terms with nature, you know. For they're adding to his character, like he's like he really enjoyed the outdoors, and he thought it was really special. But Rudy had already been like jaded by the streets, right? Like he was already just like. Just bound for this life, like which he, is a little bit hypocritical because when we met Breeze like yeah, a year ago, he, was, he or- was the one that was dealing drugs, and his buddy Collins Jr. was the one telling him to get out of that line of work. Yeah, but now it's a reversal. Yeah, uh, Rudy is Breeze is Breeze. Yes, <laughs> Rudy is Breeze. Two breeze. Um, so meanwhile, at a bowling alley, Rudy and his friend are talking about the gun, and Rudy tells his friend that like he had to, he just got rid of it. Like he got rid of the gun; he doesn't have it. And uh, meanwhile, they're being watched by Todd, and Todd is being watched by Laura. <laughs> yeah, it's just this chain of people like following each other. Yeah, and. Uh, and yeah, so I, was like, I, was, I don't even know how she found him, uh, because he ran out of the house. Yeah. And so I'm just assuming that she drove, and just, just right behind him, right just behind followed him, him around corners. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and at this point, still in the, the first the first viewing, I still thought Laura was his stepmother. Yeah. Even though I, I did think it was weird that she said, "You promised Daddy you'd quit those drugs." I was like, "That's <laughs> yeah. that's weird," but. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But it's just the way you said, stand in my business, Laura. Like like, like how you would address a stepmother. Yeah, yeah. Like you just address her by her first name. Yeah. Uh, so Rudy leaves the billiards hall, and now Todd is following him through a, I guess, a junkyard. It just seems like there's like a bunch of piled up cars behind this bowling alley. Yeah. Um, Breeze is checking out like the billiards room in the bowling alley because uh, he knows that Rudy likes to hang out there. Yeah. And this is where MacGyver follows Laura, who's following Todd, who's following Rudy. <laughs> yeah, so there's a whole chain of people here. Uh, 
Breeze spots Rudy going through the scrapyard and uh, chases him down. Yeah, but Rudy apparently had hidden the gun. He told his friend that he threw the gun down a gutter, uh, but Rudy apparently had hidden the gun in, inside one of these wrecked cars. Right. And so when he goes to retrieve it, Todd jumps him, and there's a scuffle, and the, the gun goes off. And so Rudy Rudy's shot in the guts, and Todd takes off, and uh, Mac and Breeze both make it to Rudy just in time for Rudy to tell them that that kid has the gun. Yeah. And then die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah, I did not think that he was going to die. Yeah. So it's, it's two people... Wait, two people dead? Yeah, because the so cop... So far in this yeah, episode, the cop, yeah. yeah. the cop died. Uh, at the foundation, uh, MacGyver, Pete, and Breeze are continuing like their little investigation, and they come across a, a news article where MacGyver... MacGyver is somehow able to recognize the car from a newspaper article that Laura Fowler was driving. Yeah. That's a pretty good memory because there's this, I know I saw that car somewhere in one of these articles. Let me go through this microfiche of every <laughs> newspaper I've memorized. Uh, uh, so Todd now, with the gun, uh, is trying to still get money for it. Yeah, and he knows that somebody wants to pay a lot for it, mm-hmm. so now he wants to take it to Maddox. Uh, so, like, as they're pulling up to the Fowler home, uh, Todd tells Laura to tell them that he's not here. Just, just cover for him. Yeah. And, uh, when, uh, Todd hangs up the phone with Maddox, uh, he said he would call back later, but Maddox's guys already had the call waiting, like the call, uh... Yeah, they already have the number, so they're able to reverse... They're able Reverse to figure out address the address. Yeah. Which, again, like we, we mentioned this a couple episodes ago, why when Lisa Woodman was kidnapped... Yeah, that they, they couldn't, couldn't trace the call immediately. Yeah. But there was already caller ID there. And yeah. there's a, it's kind of an interesting shot, or a weird shot, because he's just like, well, he wouldn't give us the number. And he's like, we got it anyway. And he points yeah. at the phone, and it just like slowly zooms into the number on the phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like a weird shot. Uh. Yeah, so they, they're heading out to go get Todd. And uh, MacGyver and, like, Laura and Breeze are basically, like... They're, MacGyver and Breeze are trying to convince her to, to give up whoever has the gun. But yeah. she doesn't want to, obviously, because it's her brother. Uh, and uh, Laura co- now goes into the speech about how they came into possession of the gun. Uh, her father was one of the officers who was investigating... The Harrison the assassination, Harrison yeah. Uh, like, like they loved he was like really enamored with the senator and, and when he died it really hurt him and when he managed to finally get the gun when it came back into circulation he acquired it for his like his basically his his uh collection of guns that he's taken off the street yeah but it, but it's also more than that it's like it's like the um the warrens in the conjuring like their cursed item collection that they yeah, keep, yeah, like yeah. It, this is like his his cursed gun collection. Yeah. Like it, these are all guns that, that have been used multiple times, have been like, keep disappearing and reappearing apparently. Yeah. And she, she describes the gun as having a life of its own. But it's also weird that he didn't obtain the gun through like the proper legal channels. Well, it, it was just sold and it was, there's just no record of who it was sold to. Right. But there should have been a record. Oh, absolutely. It's, there it's should a be a gun ownership. Gun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a gun. Ownership of gun yeah. is an important record. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, but that's the whole 
I mean, right. not to get political or Unless anything like that. Unless they bought it off a drug dealer. Uh, getting like a little bit of political, I guess, right now. But that's the, that's the whole reason like a lot of people are trying to shut down like these like gun shows. Yeah. Where guns are just kind of purchased. Yeah. And traded without any kind of paperwork. Yeah. And you don't have to do the three-day yeah. waiting period. So. Yeah, you just, you just get a gun. Uh, so uh, on the way out, Todd knocks over a picture and uh, Mac and I can't remember why I wrote down that note that he talks over the picture. Why is that important, Ricky? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, Mac and Breeze chase after him, uh, uh, but he gets away again. This kid is really good at giving yeah. – this, this drugged-out kid is really good at giving people the slip. Yeah. Uh, so they head back in and uh, talk to talk to Laura, but Maddox's goons already have Laura in, like, custody. Yeah, they've already got a gun on her. And they walk her into the kitchen slowly, and, mm-hmm. and she's now just, everyone's a hostage. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Zamora's waiting with Maddox out on the pier – where they have like all the, the different weapons like being loaded up onto a a, a very small vessel. Yeah. But uh, but Zamora's upset that there's no gun and and the fact that Maddox has brought all of these people here who can now identify him. Yeah. He's just like, uh, uh, thanks for bringing the gun. Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have the gun yet. Yeah. Because uh, Todd calls in again, uh, and he wants fifty thousand dollars. Um, and, uh, Zamora is upset that he has all these people to deal with, but he says, well, load him up into a cargo container and I'll basically just drop the container into the ocean yeah. and that'll be the end of it. But uh, not just any cargo container, a cargo container filled with weapons. Yeah. MacGyver will have no use yeah. for all of these weapons. This is officially the dumbest place they've ever trapped MacGyver so far. Uh, just a storage container. Full of crates of grenades and guns. Yeah, other kinds of explosives. I mean, uh, he can't use the guns, obviously. No, obviously, yeah, but he can use the guns. Yeah. Uh, so at the foundation, Pete's been waiting to hear back from MacGyver, but he's, he decides to follow his own lead. Um, and uh, meanwhile, MacGyver is just starting to go through some of the crates and having them kind of... Basically, find some materials as he's uh, like uh, trying to piece together what his plan is. Yeah. Uh, as Todd arrives uh, back at his house, Pete had made his way to Todd's house and is now following. Everyone's following people in this episode. Yeah. So Pete follows Todd to the pier where Todd is going to make the deal for the gun. Right. And basically, as. <laughs> I hit this weird note here too, because where Pete's sitting in the car, his his the the shoulder strap on his seatbelt is really like jamming up into Pete's neck. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, Pete, you're being choked by your own seatbelt. Just lean back. <laughs> um, it, it reminded me of the scenes in Big Trouble where every time Dennis Farina tries to get out of the the car, the seatbelt like it keeps getting stuck. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's one of those automatic seatbelts that like r- goes across like the window frame. Yeah. And then comes across your shoulder. But it keeps, like, keeps hitting him. Clipping the... him. <laughs> so uh, MacGyver, Breeze, and Laura are now being loaded up onto the ship. The cargo container is being lifted just as Todd arrives with Pete close behind. And pretty much as soon as Todd hands over the gun, they just knock him out. Right. And they just leave him there. They don't even, like, take him into the water. They're just like, boom, have a nice life, kid. Yeah. 
Um, so MacGyver's prepping some of uh, what looks like C4 from one of the grenades. I don't know if that's what you use in, in a grenade. I guess it depends on the type of grenade. Yeah, yeah. Because um, it always seems like he's like pulling black powder out of these grenades, but this time it's C4. I think in the past we've had C4 grenades on this show. Um, yeah, didn't he use... In, uh, in PC Halloween Target? Night? Oh, I was going to say. In Halloween Nights, Murdoch's grenade, I think that was a C4 Probably grenade Probably in both too. of those then, yeah. Uh, I think it has to do with the type of grenade. If it's a fragmentation grenade or... Or just yeah. an explosive grenade. Yeah. Uh, so Mac uh, puts the explosives like on the uh, lifting points on the crate. So MacGyver puts the explosives on like the lifting points of the crate because it's, it's very clear where like the, the, the straps and things are that are lifting the crate up from the crane are, are holding it into place. Right. And this is like a really kind of ballsy move for MacGyver because he has no idea... Of what his surroundings are outside of this crate. Yeah, yeah. So he's just taking a huge gamble at that this, cr- you know, that they're not like over the water or that, uh, that, that something's not gonna, something bad's gonna happen. Yeah. Um, which it, it's going to. <laughs> yeah. Well, not terrible. It's, it's, it was probably one of the most awful things I've seen. Yeah. Other than Booker. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, you'll notice my note here. MacGyver just killed the shit out of those guys. <laughs> yeah, um, I had a very similar note. <laughs> um, so uh, he's got the the explosives on the container, and he's got like a huge spool of copper wire. And I do not know where he got said wire, but um, I because it I, like these yeah, are all yeah that guns. wouldn't have been in there yeah like. I, I don't know if it was some kind of... Pack. Maybe it was like he took all the copper nails out of all these crates and and strung them together. Strung them together. I don't know. Because <laughs> like he just has like a huge spool of wire. And uh, so uh, the, the crate is, is dangling above Zamora and Maddox. Yeah. And Precariously. He, and then he blows the container. The whole thing does this... Massive tilt because now only two supports are holding it up. Right. So it, it the, just and the doors point, blast open. Yeah, the doors blast open. The container tips straight down right above Zamora and Maddox, and they are just rained upon by crates of heavy weaponry. Yeah. And just flat. and then you just see them get hit with boxes and just disappear. Yeah. And you're just like, wow. Like that's as blatantly as MacGyver has ever just crushed a person to death yeah. on this show. I mean. That's like manslaughter because it wasn't like self-defense and he, I mean he didn't know that Was they were it down. self-defense. They were just trying to get their way out of a, a That's true, I guess. But it's just like one of those things where like like he had no idea they were there, but at the same time he had to understand the consequences of what he was doing. Yeah. Um there could have been Pete could have been down there. Anyone yeah, could have been true. down there. Yeah. I mean, you don't know Pete, what you're doing. Lisa Woodman and Harry are standing on the deck of the ship. <laughs> We, ghost. we all came to help you, MacGyver. We're uh, gonna get you out of there and just a, no. <sighs> yeah, so you know, literally like two tons of equipment fall onto these guys, and they're just dead as dead. Yeah, and MacGyver, Breeze, and what looks like a dummy are are dangling inside this uh, cargo container because they strapped oh, really? themselves. Yeah, it's. It's definitely not the actress who plays Laura Fowler, huh. and she's just dangling lifeless while MacGyver and Breeze are kind of like holding on to the crate. She's just 
flopped over. I need to take another look at it. Yeah. Maybe I'll put a screenshot on the on the show notes if you guys want to see. It, they cut away back and forth really quick, but I'm like 99% certain it is just a dummy. Interesting. That's funny. Uh, and uh, so the next scene, we uh, have the the crate being lowered, and MacGyver and everyone like exits the crate. I don't know who's lowering the crate at this point. Like, yeah, that's what I was wondering because like they haven't moved any of the boxes or the yeah. bodies. Like we literally start the shot on one of the corpses underneath all these right. boxes, and then move over to MacGyver getting the getting the thing to set down so they can get out of the. See, so the Harrison gun is just lying there, still in the grip of who I'm assuming is Zamora. Right. Can't tell from the shattered remains yeah. of his hand. Uh, and uh, so the last, the last bit, and it's really not. It's really kind of weird because, like, usually the Act Five is reserved for like, here's the wrap up of everything that, yeah. that happened. But it doesn't. You don't need to do that because everyone's dead. <laughs> I mean, if I were Zamora and I saw all these boxes of guns coming straight for my for me on the deck of the ship, I yeah. would have just taken that gun and shot myself in the head before it got it's to like, me. Whoops. <laughs> like, I don't want to accidentally survive this crushing. <laughs> yeah, barely survive it. No, because he's dead. Uh, they're definitely dead. Yeah, they are dead. <laughs> dead, dead. Uh, so the Act 5 is at a foundry. And all these guns are being like melted down. They're, they already got like a big... For smel- a press conference. Yeah. They already have one big smelting pot that's like full of... Uh, glowing liquid metal yeah and uh an officer is giving a speech about how they have shut down the gun reselling program right at least in their area and that uh from now on guns will be destroyed destroyed yeah or recycled uh so in 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 this grand gesture laura fowler takes the harrison gun which is worth a fortune by the way right and drops it into the 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 melting the melting pot um, hopefully she took the Yeah, at which out. point you hear like, pew, 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 <laughs> just like three members of the press corps drop dead. Yeah. And also like this. Oh like, God, the curse continues. <laughs> I was expecting like some like black smoke spirit to go, yeah. come to come crawling out of the gun. <laughs> he was in a gun. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. Why not? Um, I was thinking more like in the terms of like fallen. Yeah. Like, like a Zazel like leaps out of the gun into another gun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just dropped into there, and and uh, that's that's pretty much the end of the episode. It's just like this kind of big symbolic gesture about guns. They, they what's nice about this episode is that the 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 PSA, though they get a little heavy handed with it sometimes, it's not like the focus of the episode. Yeah, they they don't keep like really hammering home how bad guns are like that up like the other episodes. Yeah, with guns. Uh, the. What I like about it was I like this this concept of this gun that has like this will. It's it's like the one ring that keeps driving people to yeah. do things, uh, and it's like it only gets used when it's murdering somebody. Yeah, like it's it's never used like to wound someone. It's always a killing shot that yeah. it gets fired. But uh, I think you're right. I think the Blood Brothers episode was a little bit preachier. Oh yeah, a lot preachier. Yeah. Um. Apparently, this episode was produced in reaction to the murder of actress Rebecca Schaefer by a crazed fan. Oh, I don't know who that was, but she was she was never on MacGyver, so hmm. but it just must have been in the news. Yeah, when did um uh uh Selena get killed? That would have been after this. That would have been after yeah. this. Okay, 
I always think about that. Yeah. Because, uh, I mean, people probably know about that story, but she was killed by her, the leader, yeah. the head of her fan club yeah. is the one who killed her. Because Selena found out that she was stealing money from her. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Go watch the movie. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez. A tolerable Jennifer Lopez. Aw. She's, she's been tolerable several times. Several? Several to- tolerable times. I okay. would say U-Turn um, is okay, very... I haven't seen U-Turn. Actually. Oh, you haven't seen U-Turn? It's the weirdest movie. Yeah? U-Turn stars uh, Sean Penn, Jennifer Lopez, weird cameos by like... Uh, Dick Buckus. No, no. <laughs> Uh, it's got like Claire Danes, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, uh, Billy Bob Thornton, all playing just really weird, creepy characters in this in this like desert town. That's weird. Um, it, it's a very bizarre movie. It's Oliver Stone. Uh, you should check it out if you haven't seen it. It's Oliver Stone, really? I believe so. Okay, well, I will check it out. Yeah, it's just a really crazy, twisted movie. Yeah. But that's you know, that's it. I mean, uh, is this our this is our last time I think with Breeze, and yeah. maybe the last time with the, no, is this the last time with the Challengers Club? It might be. Oh, uh, I don't know about that. I don't have a, a list to that effect. But yeah, I'm like I'm trying to think of ahead, but uh, it's definitely the last Breeze episode. Uh, yeah, it was a good one to go out on. Mm-hmm. For him. Yeah, but I think that's it for this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you want to share with us, you can find us on Twitter at Opening Gambit. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, PhoenixFoundationPodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in tomorrow. I'm sure you figured it out at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every day now. Um, for, uh, for our review of Season 6, Episode 4, 20 Questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a fun one. We get our Lisa back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you.